Good morning. If there's anyone tuning in who doesn't know me, my name is Morag and I'm one of the Kingdom Vineyard family and Jim and Rachel occasionally let me speak to you if they think I've got something um, useful to say. So let's hope that that's the case this morning. Last week, Jim started our Advent series of talks, taking us back through the Old Testament, looking at the yearning of God's people for a Messiah the glimpses of God's promise of rescue from evil, whether that was around them in the form of enemies or injustice or within them due to their broken relationship with God and binding themselves to the things that draw them away from God. We saw that God had a plan that the nation of Israel would be his representatives on earth, showing the world what God was like and drawing every nation into relationship with him. And we saw how many times Israel failed to live out this calling and were unfaithful to this covenant relationship they had with God. And we heard through the prophets, the people listening to God's voice, God promising that a rescue plan was in place in the form of a king from the tribe of Judah and the family of King David, but also that he would take the form of a suffering servant there would be another representative that would show God to the world and pay the price to bring everyone back into relationship with God, the relationship for which he created us. This morning, I'm going to take you into the classic nativity story, but we'll take a bit of a different glance at it this time as we see the world meet its Messiah for the first time and how God's rescue plan begins to take shape. Let's start with a passage from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, and Veronica's going to come and read it for us. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Immanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks, Veronica. I'm going to make her work hard for her money today. Matthew 
takes us through the story of Jesus' birth from the point of view of Joseph, rather than probably the more commonly read passage in Luke, where it's described from Mary's point of view. And I in no way want to play down Mary and what amazing and difficult task she was given. But in Matthew, we can see explicitly how the birth of Jesus was linked to the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. For Matthew, it is important to point out Jesus' link through Joseph to the line of King David and to the tribe of Judah. Indeed, in the preceding verses to the passage that was just read, Matthew lists the full family tree from Abraham right through. Verse 23 is a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Although the Isaiah passage is not overtly a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah, it is in a passage where God promises to rescue his people and the sign of the coming rescue will be a virgin giving birth to a son called Emmanuel, which means God with us, meaning God himself will step into the situation. However, Joseph is to give his son the name Jesus, which is the Greek version of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. Matthew gives us the double whammy of the two names, the Lord saves and God with us, so that we can be in no doubt that with the birth of this baby, the long-awaited and yearned-for rescue is on its way. We'll come back to Matthew again. But I next want to jump to Luke and to Luke's telling of the birth of Jesus and who heard about it first. From Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 20 and here's Veronica again. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them 
and gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured it up, all these things, and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, Emmanuel, God with us, is born, wrapped in cloths and laid in a manger. It is such a familiar story. Most of us have had a dressing gown on and a tea towel round our head or a pair of wings on our back as a shepherd or angel. And we can see this as a kind of a kid's story about a baby and the shepherd's visit as a kind of ovine sheep-based baby shower. But the angel's message was much more than a birth announcement. A saviour has been born, the Messiah is here and all that means. The rescue mission is in operation. And it was revealed to people who were least expecting it. Shepherds weren't exactly the cream of society. They were probably uneducated, doing a job that needed doing that nobody really wanted to do the low-paid, undervalued care workers of their day. God, who'd been effectively silent for 400 years, chooses them to be the first to hear that the Messiah has come. I may be inclined to let my imagination run away with me, and my mum would say I always have been, but sometimes I wonder if it was a sanctioned announcement or whether the angels just had to celebrate. The choir was going to sing, there was going to be joy and music, so they chose a quiet hillside to let it rip, and consequently scared witless a wee group of shepherds who just happened to be in the spot that they chose. So then they had to explain what all the fuss was about. On the other hand, God always has had a habit of revealing himself to people we would least expect him to. Take a look at Gideon or Jacob or King David himself, all found in the Old Testament and all described by others or themselves as not the most obvious choices for God's plans. From the very beginning, Jesus gives value to those whom society has forgotten or shunned and he did so throughout his life and continues to do so now. Let's turn back to Matthew now and read about the other group drawn to Bethlehem for Jesus' birth. Thanks, Veronica. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, 
and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thanks again, Veronica. While the shepherds were taken by surprise, the Magi, or wise men, were actively seeking. They knew what they were looking for, the king of the Jews, who Herod's advisors immediately identify from this description as the Messiah, and they are able to quote the prophecy from Micah, which promises a ruler that will come from Bethlehem. The wise men were not Jewish, not from Israel. They were Gentiles. And up to this point, they would be excluded from the people of God. But once again, God has revealed himself to people that were not expected to know him or recognize him at all. It seems to me, though, that this wee group were closer to knowing God than, as it would prove throughout Jesus' life, a lot of people who should have known and recognized him. Their gifts also show an understanding beyond what was expected of what it meant to be king of the Jews, the Messiah. Gold for kingship, incense for deity, recognizing God in worship, and myrrh for embalming for death and suffering. The wise men were seeking, studying, and had revealed to them God's rescue mission, which wasn't limited to the Jews but was, as was symbolized by their very presence in Bethlehem, for the whole world, including those previously excluded. Jim mentioned last week that we are often taught about Israel's expectations of a Messiah as being for a king, a political and military ruler, to rescue them from Roman oppression and bring back prosperity to the country and to the people. But... As Jim said, that misses out what they truly longed for and what they really needed, which was rescuing from evil and a restored relationship with God. If the shepherd's expectation of a Messiah was a political and military leader, I'm pretty sure they would have been bitterly disappointed by what they found in Bethlehem. 
People born to have clout are not born in outhouses in poverty. Likewise, the Magi, if their expectation was to find the king they were seeking in a palace, wouldn't they have been let down and disappointed by what they eventually found? A child born of very ordinary parents in extremely humble circumstances. But I don't see a hint of disappointment in either of the passages. The shepherds were told in Luke 2 verse 20, returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. In Matthew 2 verses 10 and 11, we find the Magi overjoyed and they bowed down and worshipped. I don't know what the expectations of the shepherds and the Magi were as they made their way to Bethlehem, but I do know that God did not disappoint them. A baby in a manger seems to fulfill the criteria of Messiah for them. They saw prophecy fulfilled and recognized God's plans and purposes. Our final reading for this morning is a passage. It's not often read at Christmas or Advent, but for me, it sums up beautifully the expectations and longing for the Messiah by the people of God and what was fulfilled when Jesus was born as God with us. I'm going to read this one myself and it's Luke chapter 2 verses 25 to 33. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. I don't think Simeon was disappointed either. I came across that picture a few years ago. For me, it captures that moment just as I imagine it. Simeon knowing in his heart of hearts that the Messiah has come. Jesus does not disappoint. I've just got a couple of final things I would like to say. The shepherds were minding their own business when God interrupted them in spectacular fashion. The Magi were earnestly seeking an encounter with God, possibly for a very long time and possibly in a lot of different places before they found Jesus. For all of us, meeting Jesus is probably somewhere on the spectrum of shepherds to wise men. Some of us will be searching for some time, asking questions, looking in various places before we realise or someone explains to us that what we've been searching for is Jesus. Others of us will meet Jesus when we're least expecting it. 
The shepherds were on the edges of Jewish society and so on the edges of God's people as they understood it at the time. The wise men were completely excluded. The birth of Jesus completely changed that. To those on the margins and those who feel completely excluded, Jesus came for you so you could become part of the family of God. Today, if you feel God is interrupting you right now and is grabbing your attention, or you've been seeking something for a long time and now realize that what you're looking for is a relationship with Jesus, or if you feel on the margins or even excluded, I'm here to tell you, Jesus does not disappoint. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, we will have an opportunity in a moment just to pray just for that. Let's take one final look at Simeon. Look at that face. The waiting is over. God's plan for all people to be drawn to himself, to be saved, rescued, and to play a role in his kingdom has begun. God does not disappoint. Amen.